Hello, and welcome to the Rockefeller Center's podcast, Rocky Talk. My name is Ben Vogley, and I'm a 22 at Dartmouth. Today, I'm joined by President and CEO of the National Peace Corps Association, or the MPCA, Glenn Bloomhorst, to discuss the 60th anniversary of the Peace Corps. In his role, Mr. Bloomhorst closely follows Peace Corps affairs, and during his tenure, he has led the MPCA's historic transformation from a dues-based Peace Corps Alumni Association to a community-driven social impact organization. Prior to joining the MPCA, Glenn served for 18 years with ACDI VOCA, most recently leading the establishment and expansion of the organization's worldwide community stabilization and development practice area as managing director. Mr. Bloomhorst, we're thrilled to have you with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ben. It's really a pleasure to be a part of Rocky Talk with you tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much. So again, we're here today to discuss the 60th anniversary of the Peace Corps, which was established in March of 1961 by President Kennedy. Uh, Could you tell us a bit about the historical context of this decision and the mission of the Peace Corps at that time? Certainly. Well, uh, you're right. The Peace Corps uh, 60th anniversary is what we're celebrating right now uh, on March 1st of 1961. President uh, Kennedy created the Peace Corps by executive order. And then uh, later on September 22nd of the same year, uh, Congress passed and he signed the Peace Corps Act, uh, officially creating and funding the Peace Corps agency. So the entire year, we essentially are celebrating the 60 years of Peace Corps, even going back to last October, when on the steps of the University of Michigan, uh, John F. Kennedy made his call to service for who would who would serve their country overseas as Peace Corps volunteers. And it's just a, a really uh, special time for us to reflect back on on the impact around the world and the friendships that we've built uh, as a community with our communities abroad. Um, and, you know, we look forward to the next 60 years. We believe that there's probably no other time in the history of our country when Peace Corps is as important as it is now. And really looking forward yeah. to seeing that opportunity continue. Absolutely. Um, And how has the mission of the Peace Corps evolved since it was first created? Well, the mission has remained the same. It is to uh, strive for peace and friendship, uh, world peace and friendship. And the goals have remained the same as well. I think to paraphrase them for our listeners, uh, the three goals of the Peace Corps are first um, to Mm -hmm. provide to countries that invite and and ask for the individual serve is to provide uh, qualified and skilled individuals uh, that uh, can uh, support technical needs that those countries have and work side by side with host country counterparts in doing so. And then the second goal of the Peace Corps is to help create a better understanding of Americans on the part of of our countries and cultures where we're serving as Peace Corps volunteers, bringing uh, our world from back home with us. And and then the third goal of helping uh, as we return back home, bringing the world home and helping Americans have a better understanding of other countries and cultures and and places around the world. And you know, I'm just going to say that that was so important for me because I grew up on a, on a small mm-hmm. farm in central Missouri and I'd never traveled outside of the country. And it was a life transforming event for me for sure. But, uh, you know, just having the opportunity to really see the world from a different perspective uh, was so important to me uh, from that background. Yeah, I can imagine that being extremely valuable. Um, Could you actually tell us a bit more about your time in the Peace Corps and where you went and how that influenced you? 
Certainly. Uh, uh, I served from 1988 to 91. My wife and I served together. I was an agricultural volunteer uh, and my wife was a, a health volunteer. She was a nurse. And um, we uh, were invited to serve with the Ministry of Agriculture in Guatemala. So our counterpart, my counterpart organization was the Ministry of Agriculture. And I was uh, working on a host country strategy for crop diversification, meaning I was working to help uh, basically uh, encourage farmers to um, plant uh, fruit tree nurseries and, and uh, develop uh, fruit tree plantations as a means of diversifying their, their production and their income. Uh, now, what yeah. that meant is in, practic- in practical terms is that I had to first learn all that myself because I'd never, uh, no been work- I'd never worked with fruit trees or tropical fruits uh, and tropical farming at all. So it was a learning experience for me, certainly. And uh, and so that was the work that I did. It meant, it meant um, you know, living in a small adobe hut and uh, hiking up uh, into the villages around the town where I lived and visiting with farmers and community leaders and, and others and, and doing my work. Moving on a bit to your work with the National Peace Corps Association, which is the network of Peace Corps alumni. Um, you know, your bio mentioned that you transformed the organization from a dues-based alumni association to a community-driven social impact organization. And what does that look like just over the course of your tenure? Sure. Well, first, you know, there's um, the Peace Corps agency is the entity that deploys volunteers to work overseas and uh, for the two years of their service. And when we return, um, of course, uh, life after the Peace Corps uh, really is about continuing that service that we began in the Peace Corps. And um, so that's where National Peace Corps Association picks up uh, the alumni network and really engages them in continued service after their Peace Corps and throughout a lifetime. Uh, we were we were founded 40 years ago, uh, much like an alumni association of a university. And and they're, they're really, uh, you know, the core mission was just simply uh, more about kind of gathering together and, and reunions and events and things that we had. But we saw that this was a community now of over 200,000 individuals who are do-gooders, you know, we're change makers, uh, innovators and entrepreneurs. And, and if we can harness the um, you know, capacity of that community, uh, we're a tremendous force for positive change and positive good. And uh, so uh, we, we really just shed that identity as a, an alumni association that was loosely organized. And we uh, leaned into our community and, and, and allowed the community to start driving our, our priorities, our strategic priorities and uh, the programs and, and, and projects that we were working on. And, you know, they, the community has identified, you know, pretty much three three things that are really important to us. One is the Peace Corps itself. And, and as you heard, uh, maybe in, a, in a remarks I made earlier here at Dartmouth University, um, that uh, we really truly believe that we need to support the Peace Corps now, help it uh, get relaunched after this brief hiatus of no volunteers overseas right now. And that comes from advocating for Peace Corps' future funding and ensuring that Peace Corps is the best that it can be, that the, the reforms and improvements that we believe need to be made to the Peace Corps are, are implemented during this time. Um, the second area that we, you know, our community really cares about is building a strong community here at home and, and bringing that world home and, and, and what we call our third goal of our work, which is helping understand, helping Americans have a better understanding of the world. And that is so important now. I, I believe, you know, in the, the divides that we see in our country right now, just helping create better understanding of, of the, you know, the, the backgrounds and the situations and circumstances of others from around the world who not, or are not as fortunate as we are is so important right now. 
And then the third, the third element of our work is about, you know, just to continue to impact beyond our Peace Corps service and, you know, really uh, engaging back in our host countries and here at home and, and bringing about uh, social change on issues like climate change and refugees and immigrants and uh, racial justice as well. And so those, those are issues that are really important to us. And uh, so it's, you know, our, our causes are the community's causes, our Peace Corps community's causes, and that's what we're championing now. And uh, that's how we've converted more into a social impact organization that's that's driven by our community. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And those are all really laudable goals. So thank you for sharing them with us. Um, I'd like to get into sort of the first aim of the MPCA, actually supporting the Peace Corps organization. Um, what has happened to the Peace Corps over this past year with the COVID pandemic? And how are you trying to get the organization uh, back up and running, I guess? Right. Well, it was almost a year to the day, I think, on March 15, when uh, the Peace Corps director at the time announced uh, that uh, programs were being suspended around the world and volunteers were coming home. Uh, we had started to see that happen already in a couple of countries, and then uh, it really just became necessary to, to uh, evacuate all the country programs um, by that time, given the, the situation with COVID. Um Again, that was very traumatic for our community. It's the first time we've ever seen anything like that happen. There have been you know, regional evacuations or country-by-country evacuations from time to time, but uh, never you know, the entire uh, program around the world. Um, we were concerned about the future of the Peace Corps, um, not knowing how long this pandemic would last and, and you know, what the implications would be and all the uncertainty that everyone else was living with. Um, and there was hopeful expectation that we, we might see Peace Corps uh, redeploying volunteers last year, and, and that, that didn't happen. And then, uh, again, you know, early this year, it, it looked like things might uh, progress to a, a way that they could, and, and that didn't happen. And now we're looking at, you know, it's going to be probably this the late summer or fall before conditions really allow for Peace Corps volunteers to safely return back uh, to, to service. And you know, that's going to require a, a, a massive rollout of, of volunteers uh, over time. It's not going to be accomplished you know, just in, in a couple of months. It's going to be probably upwards of a year or two uh, for, for all volunteer programs to, to re, uh, reestablish and then for numbers to get back up to the pre-pandemic stages. So a lot of work. It's a heavy lift. And, and you know, we're, we're concerned that uh, the Peace Corps' future funding might, might be targeted uh, when when there are no volunteers in the field or, or lower numbers of volunteers. And so you know, we're, we're mobilizing our community to advocate to members of Congress like never before to make sure that the funding is there, uh, certainly to maintain the current funding that it has. But uh, as I said earlier, to also then uh, really um, move toward increasing Peace Corps funding over the next five years to a level of around $600 million from the current $410 million budget, which would allow Peace Corps to not only return to Peace Corps to pre-pandemic levels, but to uh, to field upwards of 10,000 volunteers, which which is actually a requirement of the original Peace Corps Act. And there are more than enough volunteer applicants for, for 10,000 volunteers serving at any time and more than enough countries requesting volunteers for that to happen. There's just simply no funds. The funds just aren't available for, for that level of, of Peace Corps. Wow. Yeah, that's really difficult. Um, what have the legislative efforts looked like to get up to that $600 million threshold? 
Well, in large part, it's a question of political will. Uh, Peace Corps, while it has uh, traditionally over the years enjoyed uh, strong bipartisan support, um, it's just not had as a priority a significant funding increase. We, we did manage about five years ago to to see about a $30 million increase in Peace Corps' budget after a, a pretty heavy advocacy effort and and work with uh, the administration at the time and the Congress at the time. But, um, you know, uh, now that gain has been lost because if you account for inflation uh, over the last five years, uh, oh, yeah. should now be $40 million higher than what it currently is. So uh, what we what we do see as a very encouraging and promising uh, opportunity is that we have worked with uh, the office of Congressman John Garamendi uh, from California. He's the only returned Peace Corps volunteer now serving serving in, Cal- uh, in Congress. And together with uh, with Congressman Garamendi and uh, Congressman Garrett Graves on the Republican side, uh, a bill has been introduced in the House uh, called the Peace Corps Reauthorization Act, and it would uh, provide for authorizing authorizing the um, and recommending the funding of Peace Corps at levels that would increase uh, each year by by enough to bring it up to around six hundred million dollars in five years, which would be able to support ten thousand volunteers in the field. What's got to happen is we have to find a, a, a you know the, the the bipartisan support in the House uh, and get the bill passed, and then we have to find a companion bill in the Senate uh, and develop a companion bill and, and see it passed in the Senate. Uh, so it's a very heavy lift. It's um, you know it's going to be a long road, but we believe now is the time. This is a historic moment for the Peace Corps, and we believe that the administration is committed to national service. Our community and our you know our youth are committed to national service. Uh, they want those opportunities, so now is the time to do it, and and we're going to mobilize. Like never before, our our you know our citizen advocates to to reach out to their members of Congress and and let them know that that we need to fund more Peace Corps. Absolutely, I mean we're living in such a moment of international turmoil, both with the pandemic and the rise of authoritarianism around the world, and so it does seem like we need Americans out there and advocating for our values. Yeah, that's good. Um. So now I'm kind of working backward because the funding, I think, is going to be the most important part for anything that you guys do going forward. Um, But how is the Peace Corps looking to change its values over this next decade? I know that there's been a lot of debate within the Peace Corps about, uh, quote unquote, decolonizing the movement and about uh, confronting structural racism, both at home and abroad. Could you speak to those efforts? Yeah, um, you know, I think um, Peace Corps, like any other organization that um, at least, you know, uh, uh, delves into the area of development work, um, must mm-hmm. be careful about how we go about that. And, um, you know, there many times is uh, uh, perceptions of white saviorism and, and um, uh, neocolonialism, and, and that, you know, really needs to be carefully addressed. And, um, you know, I think uh, I quoted earlier in, in some remarks, um, uh, Kul uh, Gautam, our um, Wolford uh, Award winner from a few years ago, he's a Nepali diplomat, uh, former uh, Deputy Secretary of the United Nations, uh, and a very good friend of, of the Peace Corps. Uh, his life was influenced by Peace Corps volunteers when he was young. And he said, it's about solidarity, not charity. And that means working side by side you know, with our community counterparts in those countries. Um, 
you know, and, and if we see ourselves as, you know, as facilitators um, in those communities and and there to serve and, and work together with them, I think that, that that is the start that we need to take. Uh, but we also need to, to really look at programs and, and how the programming is developed in the Peace Corps and, and ensure that it is done in a way that is community driven, uh, that the that the, the uh, work and the priorities are identified by the communities, the local hosts, and um, you know that, that we are simply there to help facilitate in, in any way possible uh, our communities that we serve achieving their goals that they've established. Yeah, I really appreciate that mentality. It's humble. Um, I like it a lot. Um, so how can people my age get involved with the uh, Peace Corps? Well, um, that's a great question. Um, I would encourage anyone who's even thinking about the Peace Corps to start looking into it. Uh, it's never too early to start thinking about it. I've heard people say I wanted to serve since I was eight year old, years old, or in many cases, you know, uh, children whose parents have served or even grandparents now that have served in the Peace Corps and they've been inspired by the stories they've told. Um, I, I think, you know, it, there's that curiosity and that uh, international uh, um element that that it draws uh, i think a lot of us to service um, again you know, i came from a small farm in central missouri and had never left the country barely left the state and and so at the time it was it was for me just a, a quite a you know an extraordinary opportunity to think that i could serve abroad in a, in a capacity like that so i uh, i would say that if you, if you feel called to serve and if you feel uh you know uh, an interest in, in in other cultures and other countries, and and humbling yourself and, un, and you know, being there in a way that is about uh, learning and listening to to others, um, and letting yourself be transformed. You know that is a good reason to think about joining the Peace Corps. Um, and uh, you know I would I would encourage anyone to to start uh, finding uh, return Peace Corps volunteers and, and talking to them and getting to know them and hearing about their experience. Not everybody that serves in the Peace Corps has a has a super positive experience. There are also negative experiences, so you may hear some of that as well. And researching Peace Corps and, and the programs, and uh, when when it comes the time to start thinking about applying, definitely work with a recruiter if at all possible. Uh, you don't have to, but uh, would encourage that. And then you know really in preparation for it, I think uh, community service here uh, at home before we go abroad is so important. It, it you know with the fact that 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 there are more many more applicants than there are volunteers you have to have some pretty good you know qualifications such as uh, demonstrated com- community service commitment and uh, a, you know commitment to serving and a commitment to uh, overcoming obstacles that may be in front of you. It's it's not an easy job. I think you know there was a, a, a phrase at one time: "It's the toughest job you'll ever love." And there are peaks and valleys, and there are days when you just want to go home, and there are just days you're like, "Why am I here? You know, this is not where I need to be." And um, you know, but when you've been through all of that at the end of ten, two years, uh, you look back on it and say, "Wow, you know, I did that." And how different I am today than I was when I when I got here. And uh, uh, it's, like I said, a, a very meaningful life transforming event. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And also, thank you so much for your time today. Um, to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, everyone. This podcast is a production of the Nelson A. Rockefeller Center for Public Policy and the Social Sciences. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and not of the Rockefeller Center. 
This episode was produced and edited by Laura Howard. We hope you'll join us for our next episode, and if you want more information, you can find us at rockefeller.dartmouth.edu.